0: Hi, this is Cherise Kenyon, and you're listening to the Beauty Me podcast, all about beauty beyond the BS. Today's guest is Alana Campbell. She is a Scottish nurse, diabetic, she's pregnant, and she's also a brilliant content creator. I first found Alana on Instagram during the pandemic, I'm pretty sure, so the last couple of years. She's really prolific at times with her content, very creative makeup. But as we got talking in the DMs, she would often mention the fact that she is diabetic. And I realized that I I don't know anything about diabetes other than random things that I've heard, perhaps through family or on the news. So I really wanted to ask Alana to come on to find out more about when she first discovered that she was diabetic. She helped to explain the different types of diabetes. I wanted to know how she's kind of change her life to fit around diabetes and of course find time to work 12-hour shifts as a nurse within the NHS, create content and obviously now she's pregnant so that has thrown other things into the mix when it comes to her health. I hope you love this one and I hope it's an education for you just as much as it was for me.
1: Professionally, I am a staff nurse. I work for the NHS. Um, I've been doing that. I've been qualified for seven and a half years. I've been working in the NHS for going on 10 years now. Um, but prior to that, I studied fashion design and worked in London in my late teens, early 20s. So I've always had this, and even before that, always had this thing about beauty, skincare, fashion, all that kind of thing's always been in my repertoire, so to speak. And um, it's about four, not a lie, five years ago, um, coming up on this February, my dad passed away and that just prompted me to turn on a camera. I don't know why. Um, Spoke about kind of thoughts and feelings that never really went out to anybody. But then that changed into, I want to speak to you about beauty things as well. And so I just started uploading on YouTube and I always had Instagram. If you look at my Instagram, I've probably got like 900 posts, I don't know. I never restarted a new Instagram or anything like that to put myself out there. Uh, I just kept it as my own. So there's a lot of, you go all the way back, I'm sure like one of my first posts is a makeup post and then there'll be a random cup of coffee somewhere as lots of people used to <laughs> take lots of, photos <laughs> of food on Instagram quite a lot. So it's just random, it always has been. So I have Instagram, which is probably more mainly beauty and fashion stuff now and used to be a bit of travel but obviously we've not been doing that recently so yeah just a little bit of everything I
0: suppose. But you're also pregnant and you're a diabetic.
1: Indeed I am yes so.
0: And we're gonna get into that. As well. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You know me and you have been talking on Instagram for a while and I realised you know you can just go about your life caring about the things that affect you and I was like I don't know anything about diabetes apart from the things that you might hear and no doubt get it all wrong so I was like let me just have you on because you know you you love beauty as much as I do but you also happen to be diabetic so I want this to be a little bit educational as well yeah but first of all I want to do the usual stuff which is the nosy stuff talk me through your morning routine from when you open your eyes
1: so I have two morning routines, but that's because if I'm going to work, it's very different from, if I'm not late this morning, I didn't go to work. So if I'm going to work, it's very much, I am up at half past five. I am in a shower, um, whether I wash my hair or not. And then I have a coffee, do my skincare and drink that while I'm I'm having my um, coffee. I do all my skincare stuff. And then I leave the house about 20 past half past six and I'm at work for seven Uh, And usually in the morning, I get there for about quarter to 10 to and I sit in my car and I will scroll through kind of Instagram, social media, stuff like that. I usually have a podcast on driving to work as well. So I'll be finishing listening to something like that um, and then go to work. And that's me for 12 and a half hours. And that's about it. But if it's a day like today and I'm off, um, even if it's a day where I'm off and Alan is working, generally we're quite like he likes to be up about eight he doesn't like to lie any longer than that but he'll quite happily get up make me coffee or breakfast or whatever he's quite he's quite keen for that Uh, I'll get up and feed the cats and then we usually climb back into bed to have our breakfast um Sunday is probably the only day we don't do that because we get up and watch a bit of Sunday brunch or something like we just kind of watch the telly um we're, yeah, quite like a lazy day type thing. Even if Alan goes away to work at nine, I will then get up, kind of potter about, clean the house, do things like that. um Then shower. Just I, I don't have any kind of slower. set routine as such, yeah, yeah. um and I won't probably do skincare or anything like that or makeup until I'm ready to to go out the house or
0: anything. So it's quite a a lazy routine in the
1: morning. That's good, um, if that's I'm not good. at work.
0: But tell me, you know, you mentioned your skincare there and we need to go back because, you know, I want to know. Obviously, you have got that pregnancy glow thing going on anyway. But before you were pregnant, you've always had like this glowy, glowy skin. So is that down to your routine in the mornings or is it down to just genetics? I
1: think um, I'm quite lucky in the sense that I haven't had acne. Like, I, of course, get the odd spot, the odd pimple and things, but I don't have problematic skin in that respect. I'm slightly more normal to dry. Uh, What I've found in pregnancy is that I've went the other way. I do actually find I'm a lot more oily in places than I was before. Um, But in the morning, and again, in pregnancy, it's changed slightly. I find I've stripped it back quite a lot because I haven't, I couldn't be bothered (laughs) a lot of the time. Um, But usually it's kind of a really simple cleanse when I'm in the shower. uh, And I do like a, a hyaluronic acid serum, I like an essence, I like a spray, I like things like that. And then all locked in with a a moisturizer. And again, if that's in the summer, I might just use an SPF. I don't necessarily need both. But in the winter, I usually need both because I'm drier. Um, And I think like we were talking about vitamin c weren't we because i think a lot of people are like (laughs)
0: they're
1: like oh you get the glow from that and i'm like i have tried to slot it in i don't know how many times to my skincare routine and it just it just doesn't fit in anywhere so i've kind of gave up the ghost on that now but so Mm -hmm. i think it's just niacinamide at night i use that at night all the time i think that's a big part
0: and i was using retinol until i became pregnant so have you switched to trying Bakuchiol instead, or are you just leaving it altogether?
1: No, I have I did try Bakuchiol before, um, like over the years, and I just wasn't that fussed with it. Yeah. Um, and when I kind of read into it a little bit and things, I kind of was like, ah, I don't know if this is for me. Yeah. I, um, think
0: I, I didn't think notice so. Much,
1: <laughs> so I just thought, nah. And so, yeah, you're right. I probably
0: could have swapped to that, but I haven't bothered. Mm. I really want to get somebody on to talk me through vitamin C because even amongst the experts, there's some experts that like talk about it all the time. And there's others that are like, ah, it's okay. And I just, it's like you mentioned retinol. I'm taking tretinoin and when I'm religious with it, it's just so good. And then I'll be like, let me try and slot in vitamin C. Like I get sent this one or I have I've bought one again to try. And I'm like, is it irritating me you know alongside the tretinoin because in the day I try to be more chill but vitamin C is more of a daytime thing you know obviously you use your SPF and it just uh, maybe like two or three times and I just get irritated and I just give up so I'm a bit like I, I that too know. I'm a bit like that and I think as
1: well like certainly when I was really looking into vitamin c because i thought i need to fill it into my center here somewhere <laughs> and then i i gave it a go and what i found like with a lot of the ones i was using whether it was like a powder that you made into liquid or whether it was a serum or whether it was a spray or whether it was a cream um i found that i was getting like i was like oh i do look more radiant and healthy but i was like is it just oxidizing on my skin and I look like I've got a bit of a tan now is that why (laughs) I think I look healthy I couldn't work that out because I was like is it that or because then if you used something to use a cotton pad at night to to take anything off and maybe you didn't even Mm. have any makeup on that day there would be like an orangey tint on the pad and I would be like (sighs) yeah I wasn't sure because it obviously does oxidize and sunlight so I was yeah. like maybe I just yeah. look more radiant because I've got
0: a little bit of that one. <laughs> uh, yeah but yeah. it's not for me I'm gonna get an expert on because I feel like in beauty it's great and you know people like us we do want to try lots of things but then you have to draw the line and be like no this is what works and then um, I really liked your recent YouTube about stuff that I've I've hated like yeah. things that I've bought and they were crap I was like we need more of that real side because you know me and you like i keep saying we talk a lot in the dms and we're very vocal about people that monday they're using this and they love it tuesday they, i'm using that and i love this too and wednesday i love like they love everything yeah. because they're getting paid often and I, sometimes i think i'd say this to you as well though i think with the
1: change in the culture and even since the pandemic and now it's just people who are you know find themselves at home more often and find that that's been a really good outlet for them and it's like a need or a real a real want a real um kind of passion to want to be noticed by certain companies i don't think they're doing it out of any badness or malice no. it's just like they really want that company to see i really like your product but like you say, it can come across a little disingenuous because they like a different thing
0: every day, and you're like, I don't, you can't do that. You can't use all those things you know. every day. Your skin would be trashed. But um, obviously, I've. I think we've probably been talking. Did we start following each other during the pandemic? Like, yeah, yeah, I think so. Years. I think so. Yeah. yeah. But I, I would think really I think look- I probably. So
1: obviously, I think lots of people um, found people through Katie Jane Hughes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think- <laughs> Potentially, that's how I found you through that. When she came on the podcast, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I really want to take things back because even though you're very vocal about what you're using now, I don't know anything about your history of like beauty. And I always like to take people back. Can you remember the first moments or the first things that gave you that inkling that beauty was out there? Yeah.
1: Like, I, um, I was thinking about this. So I. Probably I'm going to say, like, my mum. My mum's always been really not... She was never somebody who was like, oh, I need to go into a department store and and buy, like, you know, my Chanel today. And she wasn't like that. But I think my mum's a bit older for for my age, I suppose. Like, I'm going to be having a child at 35, and my mum had me at 33. So she went through kind of the 60s, 70s, the 80s. And the photos and things like that that I've got of her from then are brilliant and my dad was very similar like before he passed away he was not a man who would have been put off by putting makeup on or or you know being quite androgynous and and stuff like that yeah yeah yeah. not so much in his older years but certainly when he was younger yeah definitely like glam rock and all that kind of stuff Ziggy Stardust Bowie all that era he like my mum said when she met him (laughs) he was wearing knee-high silver boots (laughs)
0: Oh, have you got pictures? I, I don't have of pictures of them, but I, I've got oh. a picture.
1: Do you know what? I've got a picture over there, and they are in a matching like mohair suit. My dad made them. Um, wow. It's just, oh, it's so funny. I'll I'll send you it later. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think because of that, my mum when I was small, when I was maybe five, you're watching your mum get ready to go somewhere. I remember she had this palette from Miss Selfridge. Do you remember Miss oh, Selfridge? God. Yeah. <laughs> And she had little, um, it was like what we would think, we think like liquid eyeshadows now and a lot of them come in a tube with a doe foot applicator, but it was powder. It was absolutely powder. It was not liquid whatsoever, but she had them as well. And I also remember her having, it was like a liner, but not that I advise anyone to do this. (laughs) Uh, She would like lick her brush. Put it in the oh. and then that was the liquid liner, like you were to wet yeah. it. Whereas yeah. now, like, people be like, Oh, use your MAC Fix yeah. plus <laughs> My mum <laughs> would just stick it in her mouth and put it in. But she was quite adventurous, like with her makeup, mm-hmm. especially when I look back on things in the 80s and things, she had really colorful makeup. um But even in the 90s, when I was younger,
0: she always like took two, three hours to get ready. And I'm very much like that too. <laughs> I hope you don't mind me ask. you know, obviously you mentioned that your dad passed you know a few years ago but if you don't mind I would love to know like what because I don't know any males in my family of that era that would wear makeup yes like they might wear the clothes but it's so intriguing because obviously now we have got people like Harry Styles wearing makeup and I've even joked about putting eyeliner on Daniel just to bring his eyes out a bit more but Back in the day, obviously, but glam rock was a thing, wasn't it? I think a lot yeah. more men would have opted. And then I think in the 80s, especially
1: um, for my mum, certainly, and obviously they would have socialized together. She loved new romantics, that kind of thing as well, the which fluffy, was fluffy, frilly yeah. yeah, absolutely. It was very um, kind of not necessarily androgynous, but it was flamboyant, you know? So I, and I think my dad used to tell me stories, and my mum kind of clarifies them. That um, when he was young, <laughs> he took a pair of my granny's curtains down and made a, a pair of velvet flares. Like, like.
0: <laughs> wow, so he I, was definitely creative.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I don't think um, I don't think he really cared like what people thought of him as such in a way, which was quite a nice thing to grow up with. He always wanted to be a bit different, and I think again, like there was a time where he bought a pair of shoes that were really out there and a bit strange and my gran was like you will not be wearing them you better not wear them <laughs> he tied the shoelaces together and put them around his neck and he's like well I'm, I'm not wearing them on my feet like I'm wearing them down the street
0: just <laughs> around my neck <laughs> oh he was just like that well I love that It's because that would have been what 80s or so like for him to feel that free I think men today have a hard time because there are other guys like I said Harry Styles, that are fine with it but then the majority of guys, it's very, like, it's still yeah, yeah, I know too feminine. Mean. Yeah, and I,
1: I have no doubt in my mind, like, obviously, I get to hear, the, the kind of, like, I have no doubt in my mind people would have shouted things out, no doubt, especially in Glasgow, like, I have no doubt people were, like, are hey, you yeah, big sponsor <laughs> or something, like, saying something awful to him. Mm. But I think as well, like, he just, as far as I know, he just kind of
0: owned it and was, like, well, you can say what you like, I don't care, so. I feel like that must have, you must have some of that in you.
1: I hope so, yeah, I hope so. And, like, I'm certainly not, especially I find as I get older. When I was younger, I was a bit more adventurous, but I'm going to say, and I know what my style is, what I like in now. Mm. But, yeah, to a certain extent, I kind of, I don't want to, I've always kind of bucked following the crowd a wee bit, just a wee bit. I say that, and now I'm, like, such a basic.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm waiting for all the mom content on your- <laughs> <laughs> let's get to one of the key reasons that I wanted to get you on because as I said um you know I don't know anything about diabetes I think maybe some people in my family have had it I thought let me get Alana on to educate me from
1: my point of view I've had type 1 diabetes for 23 years um and I've like I've been a nurse so I've been in working in the healthcare system for about 10 which helps because you obviously get a bit of knowledge that way but, but personally like I know there's people that I work with who've been nurses longer who still will come and ask me for advice on things because wow. it's just it's something I live with every day it's something like I, I do every single day so I just have this inbuilt knowledge into me I don't really know how to explain Mm. I, I suppose there's lots of diabetic people who who don't want to learn about it as much as i did and even before being a nurse i wanted to know everything i could as much as i could um and for that reason that's why people were probably like oh so you could tell me about it mm. i think to keep it simple um I'm, i would say right so there's there's three types you hear about the most there are more than that but there's three types you hear about the most. And especially the first two types, type one and type two, mm-hmm. are the type you hear about all the time in the media. Especially, I feel, in the last, even the last five to ten years more, because the governments and even the world and other, other areas of the world are trying to say, like, you know, there's an obesity epidemic and this can put you at risk of diabetes and things like that and i actually remember a few years ago the scottish government had put out an advert and it was a little girl and her mum and the mum's eating a biscuit or something and then the little girl has a biscuit and then it was this kind of thing of like giving your kids too much you'll know, put them at risk of diabetes and although that is kind of true if, if you mm. become a bit overweight or you, you obese in an obese category then you are at risk of type 2 diabetes that can happen it won't happen to everybody mm. but it can happen but the message of the advert with it being a little girl I thought people are going to think if I give my kid too many sweets they're going to become diabetic which mm. just yeah. isn't the case um for type 1 diabetes which I have it's a matter of my pancreas doesn't produce insulin anymore. I don't have insulin in my body. It won't make insulin anymore. So I have to take injections. And I, well, I'm now on an insulin pump, which is a different type of therapy. But I, when I started, took injections when I was 12. And a lot of people will still do that. And basically, there's no reason why you have it. It's one of these things that can be it's an autoimmune disease it could be something like when I got it when I was 12 maybe when I was 11 maybe even 10 I got a virus and my body fought the virus but then continued to attack my pancreas or the part of my pancreas that produces insulin and it no longer produces it and even when I was diagnosed they said there's a bit of a honeymoon period for about a year after that where your body might still produce a little bit but after that it's nothing. So people who are type one diabetics don't do anything to to get diabetes. That's yeah, they didn't bring it, it on
0: themselves. No, no, not at all. A, yeah, um, no, it's
1: just it's just something that unfortunately, and sometimes people will put it down to genetics as well. I've known families where and friends who's like, oh yeah, I've got it. My sister's got it. My granny's got it, and it's all type one. It's not type oh. two. Um, but I'm the only person in my family that has it nobody else ever had it so it's really it's really just that's why obviously they struggle in curing it as such because it's not they can't pinpoint why it happens Mm. Um, and type 2 as I say can be down to you having um, poor diet and then maybe being overweight and things like that but I also don't want to put out there this thing of oh, if you're overweight, you're putting yourself at the risk of diabetes because mm-hmm. there will be lots of people out there who are overweight who maybe never get it. And there'll be people out there who aren't overweight. Um, Alan's dad, for instance, just last year got diagnosed type two and he is not overweight. He's in his 60s. And when I was younger and I was diagnosed, it was like you either had childhood diabetes or adult diabetes, which was type one and type two. Mm-hmm. And it's just one of these things, sometimes as your body gets older, type 2 stops changing the insulin into, it stops doing what it should do. You're still producing insulin, but the cells aren't uptaking the insulin the way they should. So that's why a lot of type 2 people are on tablets. They're on medication to help their body and help their cells absorb the insulin and do what it's supposed to appropriately.
0: Um and, and what is it? Sorry, sorry Alana. do you mind just tell educating me? What, what is insulin? Again, I hear it. But what's it meant to do? It is a hormone. It's a hormone. But um, mm. insulin, basically, so if
1: you eat something, anything you want to eat, uh, usually anything that's more carbohydrate based, but insulin then changes that carbohydrate into energy and makes it, you know, so that it goes around your body so your body can function. Um, not just like energy to go run a race just to do things like breathe like the things we do every day and right. um, your body needs energy to to function just to keep going so if you don't have insulin then obviously these exchanges can't happen in your body and then that's how you become really quite unwell and mm. with type 2 although you're still producing the insulin um the body is not using not it in the appropriate it. way and that's why you have to take medication and s- sometimes people with type 2 might be on injections as well, um it's really difficult because there's type two is actually much more complex, even though it sounds like it's people will think, "Oh have you got the good one or the bad one <laughs> type one is people think that's the bad one because you're on injections from the start, but type two is actually much more complex because it's not you know straightforward. you can start on tablets, some people
0: can change their diet and lose a little weight and lose the diabetes that's what's happened in my family like losing weight and then they they're not diabetic anymore
1: yeah yeah so that absolutely and I, as I was saying I think um just world health as general they're trying to be like right because there is so many younger people now like people even you know who are as young as 10 have type 2 diabetes because they're severely overweight and things like that so they are trying to prompt like healthy choices healthy options um, and I know that that is important, and as a as a healthcare provider myself, it is important to promote that. But I also think it's really important. Like, there's mm. no point chastising people, especially mm. when they've already been told, "Oh, you've got this disease," and it's something to take on board. It's about educating them because yeah. I always found that I was quite lucky. I was I was well educated, maybe not initially, but by the time I was in my early twenties, I had a great team. Who, who told me exactly and taught me what was happening in my body, which was really useful and let me understand how to control that because it is something you can live with no problem like live a very very normal life. Um, it has its challenges, but I don't think there's any point in like making people feel bad for having it. It's just not yeah. there's no point in that it will put people off coming to get help
0: you know and admitting it that they need it.
1: Yeah, and and, and coming like I don't know how many people, and I've done it myself in my teenage years. Like you avoid going to appointments because you know your numbers aren't good, and it's mm. if you go and you're going, you know, I'm just going to go here and get in trouble. It does put you off going. Um, so that's something I think the healthcare system needs to look at. I mean, it's got much better, much better, but there's still a little bit of that as well. I think. And, sorry, the third one. I'll just say quickly because oh, it's gosh, a little yes. bit more straightforward. Gestational <laughs> diabetes and that so
0: is in pregnancy. Exactly. So you've already been diabetic and then getting pregnant. How does that complicate things? Does it complicate things? Way more than I, <laughs> way more than <laughs> I thought it would. Um, <laughs> I knew from the get go
1: it would be complicated. Um, I think when I was about twenty eight, they started asking me like are you thinking about family? And I was like, no. (laughs) I haven't even (laughs) even broached my mind yet. Um, But I I think by the time I got to about 30 or 31, I thought, you know, this is something I want to do. I need to talk to some people about it because it is quite important that you're well controlled before you go into a pregnancy. And again, that's just because there's risk factors around the the forming of, of the baby and the fetus and things like that. Um, and higher risk of miscarriage as well if you've not got well-controlled blood sugars. Mm. But also, I know people, I mean, I've got a friend who's type 1, and she was lucky enough that she didn't have any pregnancy symptoms like morning sickness. And um, she was actually trying for a long time to have a baby. And I think she got to 10 weeks and went to her team and was like, Well turned out she was pregnant. She had no idea. So she was like, my, my sugars haven't been brilliant like I'd have, they would have been so much better if I'd known. And so she, yeah. I mean, she's she's you know going on thirty odd weeks, and as far as I know, so far, things are going well. so it's 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 not you know, you need to do this again. It's about trying your best. It's about trying your best. and it's does complicate things. I certainly found at the start of my pregnancy with being so sick if you if you are being sick and not keeping food down but you've got to take insulin that can quite complicate things quite a lot and just um I usually like to go to the gym you know two three times a week just to keep active not because I'm super duper want a great figure it was really purely for health reasons and I just couldn't I just couldn't do it I was so tired and so nauseated oh I couldn't even have thought about it
0: just tell me, what does this numbers thing you mentioned about wanting to miss an appointment because your numbers aren't good? So what's that about?
1: So blood sugars, and again, this will depend if you're in the US listening or in the UK. But in the UK, we work in millimoles. So good numbers are kind of anywhere. I would imagine you not having diabetes, your your blood sugars would sit kind of five six. That that's what they would be at, which is perfectly normal. For diabetic people, it can be it can good numbers. It's very personal um, and that's why you have to work with your team. Um, you might have someone who you know lives a really chaotic lifestyle and expecting them to have blood sugars of five or six would just be unmanageable, that like there's no point. And as I say, then it would maybe put them off coming back to appointments. So you have to work it around the person rather than these are the textbook figures. So for me... Mine usually sits quite well. I usually have blood sugars between about four to eight, which is is quite tight. That's really quite good. In pregnancy, it's, that's not been the case. Uh, at the moment, I'm sitting, ugh, could be anywhere between kind of good days where, where I'm at normal figures, kind of sex, but other days where I'm between nine and 14, like it's really, ugh. The problem so that's with, not good. No, so it's not, it's not good. But I don't want again. If anybody's listening, and they're diabetic. They're like, that's what my numbers are. My team said they're happy with that. That's fine because it's a very personal thing. Um, mm. but if we're talking like textbook numbers, having blood sugars, you know, eight, nine, ten, and then even over that, like into the teens and the twenties, is dangerous. Um, and it's not right. good, and it brings on a lot of complications in later life. Um, And I think, again, with type two, if it's instilled in you when you're young and you've got diabetes when you're 12, 13, you grow up with it. Not everybody sticks to it, but it becomes normal life for you.
0: Mm.
1: If you then get told at 50, oh, you have to do this to keep numbers in this. And you've already set in your ways. You're already very, like, used to your habits. It can be a lot harder, and I think we probably see more complications and people in with complications in type two than we do in type one although in type one the complications can be much faster because as I say if I stopped taking insulin today I would be in the hospital by this evening and we're at 12 o'clock just now I would I would be in hospital by midnight easy 12 hours if I stopped taking insulin and and then an I actually wow. really interesting episode of 24 hours in A&E the other night and there was a woman who had t- t- like never been diagnosed before and she came in with diabetic ketone acidosis which is a life-threatening wow. situation um and her blood sugars were over 47
0: i've never She's even never been diagnosed with diabetes she just goes to the hospital one day because her blood sugars are over 40 yeah what happened? I-, I think like she <laughs> was
1: brought in by ambulance like her son was like oh my mum's not well, and an ambulance showed up and she was really, really unwell. She was taken to intensive care, but her yeah, her blood sugars were over 47.
0: Which is... I, won't lie, I I have a sweet tooth, and often I'll be like, I'm going to be that person that gives myself diabetes. It's like, is it is it more complicated than that? When it is type 2, do you, do you feel? I, I, I think so. That's maybe a bit of a personal opinion. Mm. Of course, if
1: if like you you have a bad diet and and you maybe do carry more weight and you're not as active if you're not a healthy person you are going to put yourself at risk the same way you put yourself at risk of cardiovascular things like heart attacks and and if you smoke you put yourself at risk of lung stuff so I think yeah like you can put yourself at risk that way but I still have a sweet tooth and I'm (laughs) Like I've always had a sweet tooth and it's one of these things that I think people think, oh, did you get that because you ate loads of sweets when you were younger? Which was ridiculous because actually my mum and dad were very much like, you just get a sweet Saturday or Sunday. You don't (laughs) you don't get anything through the week. And I was like, okay, fine. Um, but it's not something that I think it's it is the luck of the draw. I think if you're gonna get it, you're probably gonna get it, but obviously if you put yourself in more risk groups, there's more chance of you getting it. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah,
0: Yeah. But not with type
1: one, because
0: that's something that just will happen or won't. Tell me for you then, obviously you said you've had diabetes for over 20 years, but what was the hardest time for you? Was there a time when you are like, oh, I'm just over it? Did you get down about it? Absolutely. And I think um, for someone
1: who... People outside looking in, whether that's social media or whether it's people at work, anybody that knows you, they see you as a young, fit, healthy woman. Like they see someone who, you know, looks fit and well. Um, And for some people, I think that's hard because a lot of people with all different types of chronic illness will probably tell you the same thing, that it's invisible. It's not something that people will see. And... It's something that mentally you have to cope with every minute of every day of your life. It's not going anywhere. Um, again, might be a little different for type 2s and, and you might have a look at diet and exercise. But certainly for people with type 1, it's not going anywhere. There's not a cure. There's a lot of new treatment and a lot of great treatment, especially over in the US. They're a little bit ahead of us. And it's it's promising. But it's certainly not going anywhere. And to be told that at 12 years old, it's like you probably don't realise it until you get older. But at 12, I was told pretty much, "Okay, you have to do this now. You have to take two to four injections a day. And that's what you have to do, or you will die. Like, no, nobody said that to me. <laughs> like, at 12, like, you're going to die. <laughs> yeah. But um, it was that that's pretty much so like felt- your, your life is in your hands now, which is quite a big thing to take on board at 12. And, like I say, you probably don't even notice how big until you get older. So, into your teenage years, I think lots of people, myself included, you rebel a bit and you're a little like, Oh, God, like you feel like you're invincible. And yeah. you know, <laughs> what? This, this, I just can't be bothered doing this anymore. I just can't. So I think a lot of people go through that as well. Um, personally, for me, I think it's been a little bit more like different things happen in your life
0: mm.
1: and different moments happen in your life, like one becoming pregnant, for instance, that then really brings it home. Because mm. you do start to feel a bit like, See a stupid body of mine like I just wish it would do what I want it to do and it's really annoying and it's so frustrating even when you are trying your best and you're putting all the work in and the bo- your body just decides not no not today <laughs> and you're <laughs> a bit like oh god it's it's really mentally draining um I think as well through school like I don't, I don't think I've ever let it stop me doing anything. Yeah. But you do start to notice things where you think I'm not, not quite the same. I'm not allowed to to do certain things. Um, there's obviously athletes like um, Steve Redgrave. I think he's he's diabetic. Okay. Um And there's lots of like actors, actresses, etc. Like people who are type one and type two diabetics. It's not something that will stop you doing things. Um, but as I said, I, I studied fashion, and when I went to do internships. I had friends who went to like New York or or Paris or, or Milan and stuff. I came to London and, and I loved it. But I couldn't really make the choice to go to New York because I thought if I went there for a year or even for indefinitely, how how do I pay? Okay. How do I pay for mm. insulin? How do how do mm. I do that? And I didn't know, and I'm I'm sure it is plausible. I don't want to put people off that, but it was just something that if you didn't have it, you maybe didn't need to think about.
0: Mm. So let's talk about, you're going to be a mum soon, you're diabetic, you work, but you also create content. Like, how do you do everything? You've got a YouTube, you're really great on stories on Instagram. How are you, are you just juggling or are you organised when it comes to fitting in content creation? I think that I've
1: tried to be (laughs) organised. I've tried over the years to be organised. Um, you know like with people being like oh you should upload whether it's Instagram or YouTube you should upload three, three videos a week people like consistency or you should post this many times a day on Instagram I try to not take any any notice of that if I'm honest it's yeah. I have done in the past and, and I've thought right I'm gonna have a set you know Monday, Wednesday, Friday that's my video days and it's impossible because I don't have set shift work um i get my shifts sent to me maybe six weeks in advance so we get like a monthly rota as such um and i will be doing day shifts i'll be doing night shifts i may be doing three 12-hour shifts in a row i may be doing four night shifts or 12 and a half hour shifts in a row um it's very it's impossible i wouldn't i wouldn't be able to do it um so i just film as and when I want to and like if I want to speak about something if something new obviously let's say for instance I'm like oh there's there's glossy air coming out with something new and I I want to try it and I've picked up a few bits yeah then I I might film a video of the new things I picked up from them and what I will try and do is do filming me using the products and being like oh I'm trying this out this is that and the other here's the look I've created and that will be one video and then yeah. after that, I might film another video about new releases or, or new stuff that's coming out. Or it, it might it might be more of a pregnancy related something or other. But I just try and do a couple at a time, sometimes three. But I find if I do that, you know, try and do three or four in a day, I I, I get to the point where you can just tell when I'm filming. I'm like, oh, mm. This is ugh, this is just yeah. not fun anymore. And I find I'm repeating myself a lot as well. And then I can't remember what I've said in what video. And so maybe one or two a film. And with regards to Instagram, I find that a lot easier, obviously, because if you're just messing about at your Jess and Jay or whatever with makeup and you like it, you take a photo and you stick up. It's yeah. so much easier. Um and I really liked through lockdown how it's funny actually. I had a comment and it was one of these kind of passive aggressive comments. So, you know, you're just a bit like,
0: all right, (laughs)
1: fine. (laughs) But it was like during the pandemic and I was putting up more videos, I was able to have more time to do that Mm. because, yeah, I was still working three or four days a week. Yeah, I was still working a 40-odd hour week. But if I was working Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I had Thursday to Saturday off to film, to edit, to put things up. And I would do a couple I wasn't out with friends. Nobody was doing anything. Like you were mm. locked down in your house. So that's what I was doing a lot of the time. So I did have a little bit more routine. And somebody commented eh, in the middle of a pandemic as a nurse, how are you finding like you're able to
0: put out more videos? Oh, my God. And I just was like, I, did,
1: I replied to like, <laughs> I was like, everybody else, I've not had a social life. So this is now filling up my social life. <laughs> no, no, no. Wow. <laughs> but um, People
0: just love to comment.
1: I know. <laughs> Honestly, like, I, I think that's the thing. You're never going to please everybody. Everybody's always no. going to have an opinion or, or something like that. And and I'm quite lucky. Like I, I'm not in any kind of bigger enough creator or space that I get a lot of comments like that. But so, um, sometimes you are just a bit like, hmm, okay, yeah. <laughs> I just do it because because I love it. And if I feel I want to switch camera on
0: and do it, that's when I do it. And that's all. I'm so glad you said that. I wish more people did it because they loved it. Because I just feel this. Pr- I can see in some people's faces the pressure, the need, and I'm just like, if you're coming from need, then just go away, go for a walk, and enjoy something, and that that will maybe make you want to come back and just create for the sake of it. I think that's the thing as well. Like, even quite recently, because I'm not sure when this will go out, but a lot of people jumped on what do you call it?
1: The so Charlotte Tilbury new foundation.
0: The new foundation, yes, everywhere. Oh My God,
1: it was everywhere. It was everywhere, and everybody was talking about it. And although I'm like, oh, that looks quite interesting. It looks like something I would probably enjoy. I'm more inclined, like I say, I was kind You want to leave and it like, now? Yeah. Everybody else. You know, is I'm doing. the
0: same. I'm Whether it's like, books, oh. films, TV shows, if everyone's doing, it, I'm like, oh wait, let me wait and see. Yeah, I'm the same. <laughs> so as like, I'm not, and also genuinely
1: was like, I've got i don't know maybe like eight bottles of foundation <laughs> moisturizing foundation or whether it's a matte one whatever like i've got loads of them and i thought i'm not just going to go and buy a 35 pound just to put a reel up or just to put a review up on instagram i'm not going to do that because it's mm. not real as you say it's not if i genuinely was interested in someone and thought i'm going to go and have a look at that i'm going to buy it maybe get a sample of it and then go and buy the full size then i will talk about it i th- Kind of done that with the Vive stuff as well. It launched mm. last November, uh like 2020. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't I picked up a few bits from the collection, but I didn't get the eyeshadow palette because I thought, I don't need that. I really don't need that. And then when I seen it in real life and I was in the shop <laughs> and I was like, Oh, it's actually really nice. <laughs> and so a year down the line, here
0: I am making a video about a Vive palette that probably nobody will watch because they'll be like, That's No, but favorite. that's the thing. Me personally, but, I will appreciate that because you came to a decision to finally invest in it because it's just an informed decision instead of doing yeah. it because everybody else is doing it. You relate to people better if you think they've been using that
1: and they really like it. Like it's been in their yeah. day-to-day arsenal. They've not just tried it for a week and then be like, right, I need to get a review out of this.
0: Yeah.
1: It, yeah, Like I've been using it for months and it's been in my desk and I bring it out every day and I love it and that's why I'm telling you about it. Mm. And I'd rather mm. see more stuff like that.
0: Yeah, more real stuff. I think there is a call in. Th- I think it is coming through. Um, but final question. When do you feel your most beautiful? I think,
1: as I've said to you before, and with my mum and dad being so kind of not setting a trend, uh, you know, when you're like 12, you're watching the Space Girls putting blue eyeshadow on. When I was 15, I was a goth. Uh, then when I was <laughs> like 19, I was going to London and I was working in fashion. I don't have a set kind of, oh, if I look this way, I'll, I'll feel better. Mm. But I feel like just getting yourself, getting yourself kind of, even like today, if I, I feel like I've put on a little bit of mascara, a little bit of like a tinted moisturizer and just feeling better about yourself. Um, it doesn't have to be a certain I need to be full glam or I need to be this it's just feeling like oh I've I've made a bit of an effort and I enjoyed doing it does that make Mm -hmm. sense? like Mm -hmm. I enjoyed just doing it and I love doing really really creative stuff like very bright makeup that's not everyday wearable and Mm. I wouldn't necessarily say that makes me feel more beautiful but it makes me feel very creative so yeah I think just kind of putting on putting a little bit effort in and and feeling like oh I look look quite good today like I feel good about myself today that that's probably when I'm like yeah I've just I'm happy I do love summer because I find that in summer you you wear a lot less and not that I'm saying you need to wear less makeup if you want to put on a full Mm. slap of makeup and feel fucking fantastic great do it but sometimes it's just easier (laughs) I just think (laughs) sometimes the ease of summer is quite Mm. nice that's, mm-hmm. I enjoy that and you just go out and you're like yeah, things good like, got a bit of a tan, feeling nice um, whereas other times of the year I'm like oh god, i better actually put some <laughs> slab on here um, but yeah, probably just when I've I've
0: made a bit of effort in myself and it doesn't have to be by putting loads of makeup on mm-hmm. spend some time on me Thanks so much for listening you can find me on Instagram at Beauty Me Podcast and feel free to slide into the DMs do please like, subscribe and review. It really helps Beauty Me be seen.